they're literally dark and alone. It's, it's like they're in the darkness and they're lost. Welcome to Better Equipped. I'm Cody Balch, and I'm going to continue teaching us through the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter 4, and we're at verse 17, and it's really getting Paul, the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Ephesus, filled with uh, Jews and Gentiles, but especially a lot of Gentiles, people didn't grow up Jewish, and um, he's really getting into practically speaking, what does it mean? What does it look like? What should it look like to be a follower of Jesus? And I want you to take a second before we dive in and think, what should it look like for someone to surrender their life to Jesus as Lord and Savior? What should transpire? What should transform? What should change? And and this is a process. We understand this isn't an overnight, fully transformed situation that when you um, when you give your heart and life to Jesus and are saved by the grace of God that it, it, you don't suddenly, um, uh, break every habit or, or, you know, everything that about the way you've lived previous that immediately it's perfected. That's not the case. And that's not Paul's expectation, but our minds should be set on Jesus Christ and should be striving to look more like what he wants for us, his image, his likeness, his character, his attributes. And so, this is what Paul's about to dive into. So let's get into verse 17 and, and look at what he says to this church in Ephesus while he's writing from uh, being a, a, in, in jail for the gospel. He's writing this. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. Okay. So he's, I tell you this and I insist on it. This must be this way. I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Okay, so he's starting off very clear. You must not live as the Gentiles do. Okay, and he's speaking to Gentiles. He's speaking to people who don't claim to be Jews, a lot of them. And, and he says, listen, the Gentiles are, are Gentiles because they did not believe and follow the one true God. Now, now in, in Jesus Christ, we know that, and, and it, he talks about this a lot in his other letters to other churches, but that the true uh, believers are those who have their faith and trust in the one true God, Jesus Christ. Okay. So um, what does he mean by Gentiles here? He means those who do not live and love live for and love God. And so, so in essence, he's saying you claim to be Christians, but do you live like a Christ follower? You claim to know Christ, but does your life look like a disciple, a follower of Jesus? What if you claim the name of Jesus, but your life looks like the rest of the unbelieving world? That's what he's, that's what he's getting at here. And that's what he's diving into. And so let me read that one more time. Verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Okay. The way they think is futile because they're not keeping in mind the eternal judgment of God, whether, uh, you know, completely free to enjoy life with God forever in eternity 
through the work of Jesus Christ, or to understand that there is judgment and punishment for those who reject Jesus and his work, do not put their faith and trust in Jesus. So, so he's saying it's futile. They live for right now in the moment they're living for their flesh. He continues on and says, they are darkened, not enlightened. They are darkened in verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. That's a serious statement, right? They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So let's start at the beginning there, verse 18. He says that they are darkened in their understanding, okay, like the opposite of enlightened. They can't see it clearly, it, and they are separated from the life of God, okay? So they're literally dark and alone. It's, it's like they're in the darkness and they're lost. And, and this is serious. You shouldn't model your life after that. You need to see it clearly for what it is. That, that if you live like an unbeliever, this is truly, you're living in darkness and, and you're separating yourself from God. That's not good. From his light and his life. You're separated from his light and life. When you live like the rest of the unbelieving world, well, I assume that's not what you would say you're aiming at is, is living in darkness and separation from God. You would say that you want light and life. You want God to, to be able to show you his paths and see life the way that he sees it and, and experience life through him and his spirit now and forevermore. And then he, in, in verse 18, he continues and says, you know, and that life from God, because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. The ignorance that they seem to be living in is because they've hardened their hearts. And he's about to explain this even further, but they've hardened their hearts. You and I must be very, very careful that we do not harden our hearts toward the will of God. Now, I think in verse 19, he really sheds even more light into what he means by the hardening of their hearts that has led to this ignorance. Okay. So he says in verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, your heart, speaking of your heart, that you've become calloused, um, that, that these Gentiles, that the unbelieving world has become calloused. Uh, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Now there's some built in irony here. He's saying that their hearts have become hard, that they've lost all sensitivity. They become calloused and they've pursued sensuality. Now think about this for a second. Um, they're pursuing things that they can feel and, and taste and touch and smell and, and, and like, all these things, even dopamine, just the things that we think aren't things we touch with our hands, but this dopamine rush, dopamine rush. And, and he's saying what's actually happening is they're creating calluses and dulling their sensitivity. And you got to think about this. If, if I, if I, um, you know, you, let's use, um, let's use friction. Okay. So if I wear shoes uh, like new shoes that are, are causing a blister and I can tell, man, these things are rubbing, they're rubbing me raw, you know? Um, but I do it just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Um, 
what's going to end up happening? Well, the pain's going to go away and that that rawness is actually going to turn into either kind of a scab, which is really going to turn into a callus if I keep wearing them, keep wearing them, keep wearing them, not taking them off. And we look at that as like, yeah, that's good. Like you get calluses and that's good. But when it comes to our faith and our sensitivity towards sin, our sensitivity toward the will of God in our lives, what happens, how we get there, how a lot of people get there is we, we, you know, a little bit of sin here, a little bit more sin, a little bit more sin, sin consistently, consistently, consistently. Suddenly what used to maybe make us feel more uh, convicted um, about that, and that guilt maybe that should lead to repentance, it doesn't, it stops. And, and we end up becoming more and more callous, losing all sensitivity in our hearts that we then, you, you know, what leads, what this leads to is not less sin, but more sin. That's what he says. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves. They've given up the fight. They aren't even feeling any tension or friction anymore. Their hearts are callous. They're hard. They don't even feel guilty. And that is even part of the goal sometimes is I just don't want to feel guilty about it. I want to erase sin. And it says that they, they've given themselves over to it. They've surrendered themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Okay, impurity is a very general word for, that can cover a lot of different sins, you know, not living a pure life for God. And the sensuality is, is usually associated with sexuality, but it's not just sexuality. Now, there's many, many comforts of life that have nothing to do with uh, any sexuality, that we indulge in, we become greedy in it, we become gluttonous in it, and, and we want more and more and more. It's not enough. It's not enough. We've indulged in all the sensuality uh, that, le- that is just filled with impurity and greed. Now, this is not an exhaustive description, but I want you to take inventory right now. Are there areas in your life, and through the Spirit of God and praying for God to open your eyes right now, are there, is there anything in your, in your life that you've become so callous to that you don't even think is a problem that really is not from God? Whether it's just gossip or, or what you watch on TV, and I'm not, listen, I'm not your judge and your police, but I'm saying, have you become callous to TV and movies and, and shows and music that is just filled with all kinds of impurities. And you're just, I don't, you don't even think of it. You don't even notice it. I mean, he's going to talk later about things like coarse language and, and joking and, and like all these, I mean, he's going to get more specific and, and not in this episode, but as we continue to journey just in the next episode or two, he's going to get deeper into some of these really specific things that might press some of your buttons. But listen, he's going to talk about language and sexuality and many of the big things that people struggle with or just have become desensitized to. They've stopped thinking that they're even struggling with. They just don't care. And they just would like to think that God doesn't care either. But the reality is we don't want to live like the unbelievers. We don't want to live in the futility of our thinking, the darkening of our minds and living a separated life from the life in the spirit of God is like, you got to think, is this God, is this what you want? Is this something that is noble and pure and good and lovely from you? 
Is this what I'm setting my mind on? Is this what I'm pouring into my, my life and my heart? He continues in verse 20, and we'll just go from 20 through 24. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. That wasn't what you were taught. Not to not just keep going with the way you've been living and the way the world goes. This isn't, he's like, you didn't get that from me. <laughs> like you didn't get that from Jesus or the apostles. You made that crap up from your flesh to, 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 to uh, gratify the desires of your flesh. That's not from God. He says, you know, that however is not the way of life you learned. The life of, of an unbelieving uh, Gentile. He says, that's not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Now that may sound super obvious, but I just want you to ask yourself, do you ask yourself daily, Jesus, what is it that you want for me? What is it that you want from me? What is it that you want me to do? What is, what is it in my life that's not from you? And help me, God, I want to rid myself of the things that are not from you. Is it a heart posture? Is it a mindset? Is it an attitude? Is it an action? Is it a behavior? Is it a habit? Is it, it what is it, God? I think about leaders in the church. Are you asking this question, God, you created us. You designed the church. What is it that you want? What is it that you teach? What is it that you've designed? I think this is a question that we should be asking. Paul's saying, you're making this up. This isn't what you got from, from Jesus. This isn't what you got from us. And he says, verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Left to its own devices, it's going to be corrupted by its deceitful desires. Put that off. You've been taught that to, 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 not, to not, uh, you know, not live in your former way of life. You're not, it's not held against you in Christ by what he's done on the cross, his blood covering and washing away your sins. But you're supposed to not live in it any longer. You're supposed to put it off and because it's being corrupted, verse 23, to be made new so that you put it off so that you can be made new in the attitude of your minds. You need a new attitude. You need a new mind. You need to renew your mind and to put on, verse 24, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And he's given us this, this clear contrast here. There's your old self, the way of the flesh, the way of just unbelieving world. And then there's the way of Christ and the way of the spirit. And there's the way that leads to, to living a life filled with righteousness and holiness. He says, listen, these two are incompatible. In Galatians chapter five, it, it talks a lot about this. And I'd encourage you to, to read there. Talking about life in the spirit versus life gratifying the desires of the flesh. This, they're contrary. They're opposed to one another. And, and, and so he's saying and the life in the flesh, it leads to darkness and separation from God. It leads to futility and, and greater levels and depths of sin and bondage. But 
But that's not what we're called to. That's not what we've been taught. That's not what we've been freed to live into. And so what does it look like to live a life that's filled with righteousness? You know, that that we can be created to look more like God, that we're created in God's image to be bearers, image bearers of the God who created us. Is this something that you strive for? So what does it mean to live a life of righteousness and holiness? So righteousness is this biblical word. I love this word. If you understand what it means, I I think you will too. But this righteousness is is living, is a life that is, is living in the right way. It's living in the right heart posture towards God. So the key word in this righteousness is right. It's a right way to live. It's a right heart posture towards God. It's a right standing before God. So you're living in an upright way. You're living in a way that is um, the the proper way to live towards God, Uh, living in his ways. And so is that what you're seeking to live? God, I want to live a righteous life. I want to live rightly before you. I want to follow your ways in the right ways. I know that seems like a little wordy. And that's why this word righteousness kind of encompasses all of that. And then he uses the word holiness. And again, it's like not, not to live holier than thou and puff up your chest and pride and scowl at everyone else and look down your nose at people. That's not what it is. It's, it's that if you understand that you've been set apart, that's what holy, holiness means or holy, to be set apart that you don't live like the rest of the world, that you've been literally um, um, snatched from the fire, the Bible says, from the flames, that literally you've been saved from your own sin and death and you've been given a life. And so holiness is that you live like you've actually been saved and set apart, that you're not looking like the rest of the world. Now, again, here in verse 25, you know, starting in the next episode, he's going to dive deeper into what, all right. So what are some of these things that, that, that a lot of times look just like the rest of the world that we've got to be on guard about? Um, so buckle your seatbelt because it's going to get way more specific here soon. So, um, I want you to think about as we close out this session of verses 17 through 24, I want you to be thinking about, all right, Lord, how do I look different than the world? Not because I'm better, but because I'm saved and I'm called your child and I'm, I, I, I've been made new and I'm not looking like the old self and, and the ways of the flesh. I'm looking more and more like the image of God that he's created me to be living in righteousness and holiness. I want you to take inventory of that. I want you to be thinking about Does my life look different than the rest of the world? Where have I become calloused? Where have I become, you know, um, desensitized towards the sin in my life or right around me that I'm pouring into my life that I'm not guarding even my family from in, in a, in a, in a healthy way that what are the things God open my heart? Give me a heart of flesh again, not a heart of stone. I'm praying that over you. And so again, uh, if there's any way I can encourage you, reach out to me better equipped with Cody at gmail.com or comment below and and just know that I'm praying that the word of God today is is encouraging you to 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 seek a life of of sensitivity towards the Lord of of God say God I just 
I want more of you and I want to know your heart and I want to experience more of your righteousness and holiness so that I can better represent and look like you to the world, not looking just like the unbelieving world. And so I'm praying, I'm praying that for you and for me. And um, I just hope that you feel better equipped with the grace and the truth of Jesus through Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 24. We'll see you soon as we continue verse 25.